Well, Roger, I mean, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Like you're like a brother to me. We've been working together for years now. I mean, I get I get to meet a lot of people um, doing the podcast and people I wouldn't get to normally, you know, cross paths with. But to have somebody like you who's like a brother to me is incredible. Uh, But for those of the people who don't know you very well, let's uh, let's give people a little background. So obviously you grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, let's tell them a little bit about that. What was life like for you growing up? Uh, life was awesome, honestly. And thanks for having me here, by the way. Yeah. Um, life was awesome. Uh, very, very close-knit group uh, in Brooklyn. Um, have you been to Brooklyn? I have been there once or twice. Yeah. Yes. So what was your experience? So it was just the touristy stuff. So yeah, I didn't yeah. really get the full experience. Brooklyn has the best. The culture in Brooklyn is amazing. I had the most amazing friends. Uh, very, very uh, close Um uh, Playing tag in the street, playing football, basketball every single day was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I couldn't have asked for a better childhood in Brooklyn. That's awesome. Yeah. And your your parents, I've gotten to meet your mom and your dad. They're awesome. Yep. Uh, what did your parents do for work? Um, well, my parents uh, did multiple things. My dad was actually uh, a banker. Okay. So my dad was a banker growing up. And um, then he trans- transitioned to uh, head of security for uh, school safety. Yep. My mom... Um, for as long as my mom, my mom can, I can remember, my mom was, um, uh, she was a caretaker, like a babysitter for a very nice family. And then uh, she transitioned over uh, to um, uh, security with my dad. So they yeah. actually worked in the same industry at one point. Nice. And they both retired from school safety as well. That's awesome. Yep. And then for you, I think you told me your first real passion growing up was violin, right? Yeah, um, I was actually a violinist. Uh, I started violin when I was five. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's yeah. still just hard for me to imagine because I got to meet Buff Jack, tatted up Roger. <laughs> so to picture you with a violin at the age of five is is hard for me. But yeah, I'm try. It was it was uh it was a great experience. I actually uh, my parents wanted me to be very well versed. Yeah, uh, and I picked up the violin. We all had to pick up an instrument. So when I did the violin. Um, started at five and I played till the age of 18. So I played 13 years and I had two years in Carnegie Hall. Damn. I played two years in Carnegie Hall. So yeah. you were good. Yeah, I was a principal player. Wow. So like the second violin and first violin, yeah. um, I did uh, second violin. So I was first seat when I played Carnegie Hall. I was on the outer side so like the crowd can see you and stuff. Wow. I was the little guy waving to my parents at Carnegie <laughs> Hall. It's pretty cool. Nice. So violin was one of your first passions and you, you said you started working at a really young age. So your first job was like 13. Yeah. Well, in in in, in New York, uh, you had to get like a working permit signed by yeah. your parents. I don't know if that was with you. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So you had to get like a little piece of paper that you had to show the person that your parents allowed you to work. So I worked at 13. Uh, I worked at a pharmacy. Uh, Carroll Court Pharmacy was my first job. And I was a stock boy, uh, broke boxes, did all that stuff, stock shelves and all that. I was, did deliveries. It was great. Nice. One of the best experiences. That's awesome. And yeah. you were you were pretty passionate about like doing some car cleaning and detailing too. Yeah. yeah. I, I when I, I worked uh in the pharmacy and then I also got a job working at a pet store, yeah. uh Cobble Hill Aquarium. That was my I, n- I never forget it. It was one of the best jobs. Really, really good people I work with. Um and both jobs were amazing. I worked them simultaneously, but then I liked detailing cars. Yeah. Cars have been my passion for I can remember. And yeah. um I, uh, I kind of got my side business. I'd walk around the neighborhood with like a bucket of water, wax, and I would always be ready to, you know, clean cars and stuff in my neighborhood. And I was always asked the older guys in the park that I play basketball with, can I clean your car? Can I clean your car? 
Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then I decided to make a business out of it. And then I would always keep my cars clean. And it was just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think working at a young age like that is so important. I mean, you're, you're a father now. You've yeah. got, you've got your daughter, Brooklyn. Yep. You've got a bunch of other children, stepchildren as well that you've got in your family, even got a granddaughter <laughs> at this point. Hard to imagine, but Grandpa Roger, I know. Right. <laughs> but like that principle of working, I'm sure me and you both agree that that was very um shaped the way that we look at business today so is that something you want to stick with with your kids you want to have them working at a young age or? yeah i'm proud of all i'm proud of all all my kids my stepkids uh they all have great jobs they're all going get going into jobs they're, they're you know i'm proud of all of them yeah. um i'm proud of my little one she's she always kind of um you know kind of models after me yeah yeah it's it's pretty awesome i think i think working at a young age really just instills a good sense of behaviors and a good sense of uh discipline yeah i mean i think the discipline is what kind of gets you to a different level i think people that have good discipline starting out at a young age carries it over yeah uh, and they're able to kind of you know influence a lot of people with that so yeah yeah that's awesome and so after you know after you you got to be a teenager you started first job out of out of high school uh was on wall street right um well i worked yes so i actually was working at uh the pharmacy in the pet store okay. uh, and then I got offered a job working on Wall Street, uh, basically uh, cold calling uh, leads and stuff. I wanted to get my Series 7 license. Yeah. Um, obviously, that wasn't in the cards for me, but it was a really good discipline. And I worked with a guy, excuse me, I worked with a guy and his mentality kind of kind of stuck with me. Um, and I never forget, he had told me, and I've used this in a lot of my, uh, my mentorship uh, classes that I've done with the company with AO. Um, that you work two years of your life like nobody would, so you can live the life the rest of your life like nobody can. Yeah, and that's a that's I think we've talked about that several times. I think that's a really important message that Absolutely. we can always convey. You know, you put in two years of your life that not necessarily the average person would want to put in to live the life like most people can't. Yeah, and I like um, I, I carry that with me every day. That kind of picks me up and motivates me. And I took that from when I worked on uh, off of Wall Street. I yeah. took that from that business, even though I didn't take. A successful stockbroken career from it i took those messages yeah yeah well i think a lot of people like it picture wolf of wall street yeah, that, yeah. that's exactly what it's like is is that was that similar to your experience at i all, think or? i think so i think i think that you get like what i what i get from wall street you know when, when we look at what we do even in our industry yeah i think it's it's really you know hustle it's yeah. a hustle every day and the hustle and bustle behind Wall Street. You know, I have so much respect for those people. Yeah. They're getting up every day unemployed. Yeah. They have that message of like they're getting up every day, not knowing where they're going to get their income from. They could have a huge deal the day before, but they get up every morning equally as hungry. And I think that, that that's super, super important um, being an entrepreneur and doing what we do. You yeah. Know? Come in with that mindset of you're fighting for your meal every single every day. day. No matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter how many how much you have in residuals, no matter how much money you could be making the following week, every day is a new day to be great. You know, and that's kind of what that kind of trick teaches me to do. It's awesome. taught me to do, yeah. So you're on Wall Street for a bit. Yeah. You decided it wasn't wasn't where you wanted to go long term. Yep. Um, and then at that point you got into like retail sales mostly. Yeah, I was I I was one of those typical, you know, went to high school. Went went to college, got a business degree in college. Um, kind of was working at a very young age. Had that discipline to study, go to school, all that stuff. I played a lot of basketball too, so I was a basketball player in 
you know, not, never any like, you know, played a lot of leagues and did a lot of things like that. Tried out for college, uh, wasn't quite as good, uh, good enough to make it. But, you know, <clears throat> I always wanted to get into like a career. I always said, you know, yeah. I'm going to be a manager and be a manager. Um, so I went into retail. Yeah. So my first job, it was um, my first job legitimately was as a manager was at Dr. J's in mm -hmm. Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I never forget it. I bought my first diamond pendant from a jeweler in Brooklyn, and he was one of the uh, partners of Dr. J's. Dr. J's, if you're not familiar with Dr. J's, it was like a uh, sporting goods uh, family-owned brand, mm -hmm. and they offered me my first management position. So I would take the train every day, two hours, to go to my store to open it up in Newark, New Jersey. Wow. Yep. And um, Newark, New Jersey is not the best neighborhood. Yeah. Not the worst, but not the best. Mm -hmm. um, but I would take the train every single day to Newark, New Jersey. I would open up my store. I would get my management experience and all those things. Um, and that was my first management job in retail. Nice. I was doing visuals. I was doing sales. I was managing a team. I took that experience and then I transitioned over to Banana Republic. Nice. Now, yeah, Banana Republic was my, you know, higher end clothing. And then I stayed at Banana Republic for almost seven years. I was gotcha. with that company for a very long time. I worked in uh, World Trade Center as well. Yeah. So I was in World Trade Center that day. You were in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Yeah. I was, I was actually in the building uh, when the first plane hit. I was Jeez. downstairs between World Trade Center 1 and 2. There was a concourse where all the, uh, build, the uh, stores were, like the mall. Yeah. So I was in between. Um, that's my tattoo, 9-11. Jeez. That's my 9-11 tattoo. Um, I was in the building. Don't speak about it too much. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones, so I really, I rarely ever talk about it. Um, wow. I don't mind giving my perspective because I was there. I, yeah. I was there for the time, but there were a lot of people, you know, rest in peace, everyone that was there that, you know, had, sure. you know, losses and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, there was, uh, it was, it was, you know, very, very tragic that day. Yeah. You know, so, so what happened? The plane hit the building and yeah. you were, you were just, it was an average day at work. Yeah. It was just, I was just there doing stock and, 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 and doing my normal stuff. I was there at 545 in the morning, yeah. the plane hit, you know, the times that it did. And then, you know, left, got out of the building. Uh, the second plane had hit not too shortly after when we were up the block from yeah. the building, didn't know what it was still. And then both buildings fell when we were in the city. Uh, me, um, and the people that I was with, and then we just ran back to Brooklyn. Jeez. Yep. So it was, you know, but everybody that day, I mean, all those people that, you know, that's why I have such a respect for what we do, to be honest. I mean, all the firefighters that we sell, we service in our industry and stuff like that, those yeah. police officers, they're all heroes. Yeah. Every single one of them were heroes that day. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, something that, you know, I think every single person uh, who's an American at least remembers exactly where they where they were on that day. Yeah. But for you to be somebody who was actually right there. Yeah. That's that hits different. I'm yeah, sure. a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I think I think it's I think it gives me a little bit more of a, of a well-rounded like respect for, for life in certain areas, um, you know, and and that's one of the reasons why I really some people like you or maybe other people really didn't even know I was there. Yeah. I really don't speak about it as much yeah. uh, only because of, out of respect for the people that were actually, sure. that were affected tragically by that day. Um, I was very fortunate to be where I am. Yeah. Very, very blessed. And, and, but I, I give my, my hats off to those, those firefighters and those people that went there that day. And every single time we meet a firefighter in one of our meetings, I'm always very, very humbled to meet them. And yeah, I even, you know, cause they, I always say to them, you know, you fight fire with, you fight, you know, your crimes with water 
every yeah. day. You and it's it's a it's a it's an honor to meet those people. So, but yeah. I, but yeah. So I, I I worked I worked in um, the World Trade Center. I transitioned from there. I went to um, a different location, um, and then from that location is where I um, got promoted. Actually, nice. so I went to I, I got recruited to Christian Dior. Okay. Yep. So Christian Dior was a step up for you at this point. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Christian Dior was definitely a step up. Um, so Dior was, I got recruited to Dior as um, uh, stock slash like operations yeah. almost. Uh, I was learning under one of the best mentors um, that actually uh, trained me, um, Bill DeSimus. He was actually one of the best mentors uh, that I've had um, in my retail uh, career. Yeah. You know, he, he basically taught me everything I know um, with operations and things like that. And then, you know, He's one of the reasons uh, how I got promoted to um, actually uh, move out to Las Vegas. Nice. I got I got I got promoted to operations manager at the Wynn Casino for Christian Dior. So you started with Dior there in New York City, yep. and then they promoted you. And with that promotion, you were you were you needed to move to Vegas. Yeah, they, in order for okay. me to take the promotion, I needed to move to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, relocate. Yeah. Um, so that was a big transition for me. I, I've never been away from my family, my whole life. Wow. Uh, yeah. Leaving, leaving everybody behind my friends, everything, you know, and I really only thought it was going to be temporary. I was mm. only coming out here to literally get the position, get the title, get the experience. And then, and then you, you were thinking you'd probably transition back. Yeah, I thought I was, gonna, I, I honestly thought I was going to come back to, to Brooklyn, New York and, you know, stay with my family and things like that. I never knew it would take me to where it took me. Right. Right. Well, knowing you, you, you know, you got out here, you started doing a good job at Christian Dior. But you got into a few other passions out here too. You started diving into bodybuilding quite a bit out here, right? Yeah, I did. I did fitness competing. I mean, I, I, I mean, know, it doesn't really show. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit more bigger, but you, well, you look, you look, you're looking amazing though. Um, <laughs> no, I, you look incredible, dude. I, I always tell everybody if I look the same way as you when I'm your age, that I'll be ecstatic about well, it. So. I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be 44 in. Um, probably i don't even know i lose track of time sometimes in march in like probably about three weeks i'll be 44. Yeah. so i think um you know it's one of those things where like you kind of like i think these passions kind of find you yeah you don't really find them you Definitely. know life life kind of puts you in a place where it puts you in the right direction of where you kind of need to go yeah um so i think you know i think fitness competing and and the gym i think though i think those passions found me because i needed them yeah. Because I feel like in certain areas of my life, I mean, we all have our times in our life where we're broken. We're just broken people, broken individuals. Our spirits may be broken. Our mindsets may be broken. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's there's nothing wrong with that. I'm open to say that to anyone. You know, there's times in your life where you just look for those types of things. And I think the gym found me in those times where it filled those areas. Yeah. Um, so when I came out to Nevada, I was by myself. Um, I had really no one. I had my dog, Monero. Um, mm -hmm. That's him right there. So... He had, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he, uh, he passed away of cancer. Yeah. So I lost him. Um, but he was my first, like my only friend out here for years. Yeah. I really, I had come in, like, you know, very people coming in out of my life, um, dated, dated into, you know, every now and again. But as far as like, he was a constant, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, we, we, I lived in a little apartment. I went to work and then, you know, found myself slowly finding my own in Nevada. Yeah. So, you know, went to work, worked at Christian Dior. I transitioned to different retail spa spaces after that, you know, different jobs. Yeah. Found the gym, went to the gym and decided that fitness competing was going to be something that I was 
gonna pursue yeah as you almost needed, like a career and like you training. needed a healthy you yeah. needed a healthy outlet something to plug all that energy yeah into. yeah yeah and, okay so what did it start like what was you know when you were i mean i'm sure at that point you weren't in great shape when you're just getting started no so what was the start of a pro bodybuilding career well, I think, I think, you know, as far as me, when I was going into competing and things like that, I was, I was always competing the highest level that I've gotten in competing. Cause there's bodybuilding and then there's men's physique. And then there's now they've, they've divided into different things. I always consider myself like a fitness competitor. Yeah. I competed in the men's physique category. So that basically now, now I have good legs, but a lot of, you know, as far as like, I never was like that size and I never, you know, I never used any performance enhancing you know, drugs to get to that size, which yeah. I'm never against it. You know, I, to, you know, there's some amazing athletes performing it's performance enhancing and drugs don't make the athlete worse or better or any of that type of stuff. Yeah. You still have to put the work in. Sure. Like I have so much respect for those guys, you know, and I was never opposed to it. I just never did it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was never just my thing. I never took that path. Um, although, like I said, I mean, there were times where I was like, well, maybe I just should take it to go to that next level. Yeah. But you know, I stayed the way I did. Diet. Um, I, I worked my 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 ass off every day. I was in the gym doing cardio. I was wearing the you know the sauna bags to do cardio to lose weight and stuff like that. Like Martin Lawrence from the <laughs> sauna bag. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, at, at, but you know, at the end of the day, um, I think you know I've been training now. Looking back on the journey, I've been training for probably over twenty years. Wow. So I've been in the gym consistently over twenty years, from when I was literally you know a baby pretty much i figure 16 17 years old 18 starting in brooklyn yeah. all the way till now um and i look back at the journey and it's I, I always say to people always fall in love with the process yeah the process has been so um healthy for me because like some people pray some people meditate when i'm sad or i'm anxious the gym has become that place for me to go yeah it's so a healthy it's a health, healthy you. outlet and not only that but it's healthy physically yeah it's healthy mentally um and then i decided you know i wanted to pass that on so then i went into my other personal my other training. personal training yeah. so i wanted to i started i semi started it and i i started a company called lgi fitness okay. it was let's get it fitness i trademarked it um and i literally started the business just because I wanted to have my own clothing line to wear in the gym. I wanted to wear my own shirts. I figured I yeah. was going to be that next super celebrity. Wanted right? to brand yourself. Wanted to brand myself and, yeah. and things like that. And I and and again, it's another it's another case of just entrepreneurship at its best. I mean, yeah. You take you take an idea and a passion, and you can always put energy behind it, and then mm -hmm. that that can create monetary value. Yeah. So you know, I started my clothing line. Nothing crazy. Um, I, I started a website. Wasn't the best with it. I didn't have any. Tech, tech, technological, you know, knowledge when it came to that type of stuff. I tried doing it myself. Yeah. Did it wasn't the best. Um, I don't think Instagram was a thing back then. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not really sure. I don't think it was. It wasn't for you. No, it wasn't for it me. Wasn't it wasn't a big thing for you. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't really like. But at that, you know, started my line. Um, did a couple of. I did probably in my career between 15 to 17 fitness shows. Wow. Yeah, and the, my highest level. So I was never pro. Um, the, the, the highest that I went was national level. So I, I took first to third, maybe fourth or fifth in a couple of shows. Yeah. Did, did a bunch of national level shows in the United States. Crazy. Was able to go to Pittsburgh, Carolinas. Um, nice. I was in California. That's awesome. Did, 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 a, did a bunch of shows. 
And so you were at this point, you're, you're doing a lot of different things at this point because yeah. you were working retail yeah. at this point. So you were like, okay, is retail, uh, is that going to be kind of my long-term career? Am I going to blow up my personal training business? Um, you were in the gym a lot yourself at this point too. Am I going to you know, take that to the next level? And so you had all these different things. It sounds like your whole life that you were, you were good at but you were just kind of looking for like, I need one thing to really, really plug my, all my positive energy into. Yeah. Cause you're, when I was at your wedding, I'll never remember one of your, I'll never forget one of your best friends. I instantly knew that he knew you cause he said, <laughs> Roger's one of those guys that whatever he decides to be obsessed with, he's going to excel at, he's going to become the best at. And that's my, that's been my experience of you for sure. But he was like, you know, even when we were kids, me and Roger decided that we were going to be, uh, we were going to play with dinosaurs yes. and we were going to know, we were going to know everything about dinosaurs. And he was like, Roger picked up these dinosaurs and he read every book on dinosaurs <laughs> and he became the most expert person on dinosaurs yes, ever. Yes, so, I remember that. So you're looking at that point, I'm sure, where you're doing all these different things and you're trying to find what's going to be the thing that really takes off for you right yeah i think i think i think for me i always like i don't think anyone ever idolizes money right yeah. but i feel like money and i always tell this to people that money doesn't have any intrinsic value yeah right it has no value sitting in your account yeah but i felt like i wanted to be in a situation where i can live a life where where money's not going to inhibit me mm -hmm. or it's going to prohibit me from doing anything that i that or, or helping someone that yeah. needs help from me. And I felt like the the life that I was living right now, I just had all these different avenues and yeah. I had no idea wh like what I was going to do. Like I felt like there was a ceiling. Like yeah. like I felt like I was going retail job to retail job to retail job and there was like a ceiling on what I could do. Yeah. And I felt like I was almost stuck. You always hit a cap. I always hit a cap. And and I and I made well over uh six figures in retail jobs. Yeah. I mean it wasn't like I was, you know, I was on the low, you know, and no, no problem with any of that stuff. But I mean, for me, money was always a motivator for me. Sure. And I, I, I just felt like there was a cap. And sometime around that point, you had your daughter, Brooklyn as well. So I'm sure there you, you got a boost of like, all right, got to provide more stability and that sort of thing. Well, right? yeah, I started out. So obviously like there, you know, me and me and Brooklyn's mother aren't together. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have a blended family, which is amazing, mm -hmm. but you, you go into the fact that you have, you know, now you, you want to set the right example for your daughter and you want to give a different life and you want, you, you have different, you have different ideologies yeah. from different people. So, you know, God bless my wife. She's amazing. You know, we have, we have a great family, a great life. Yeah. She's very supportive of all the things that I go through and all the things that I do. Um, I think that when, when you're, when you're kind of trying to find yourself, you know, and, and I met, like, I had my daughter. And then um, after that, when I was in my my last job that I worked at, I was at John Barbados for a good amount of time. Yeah. And that's where I met my my wife now. And, mm -hmm. you know, who was my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, you go through this weird transition where, you know, I got laid off at John Barbados. Yeah. And that's kind of how I found AO. Right. When I found, uh, when I went into life insurance. Yeah. You know, I got laid off and, you know, we kind of, how to figure out things you know yeah. now, now you're a, now now you're with a partner you know we weren't married at the time mm -hmm. but you know now you're with a partner you have a daughter you're just getting to know you know three beautiful individuals my wife's kids 
and then her granddaughter, and then now you're you you you're unemployed. Yeah. So that's that scary. Tough. That was a yeah, it was a scary moment for me. Um, you're right at that spot where you were wanting to, you know, you're capable and you're yeah. wanting to provide that stability yeah, yeah. and all of that stuff. And that kind of came out of nowhere for you. Yeah. It was yeah. one of those things where you like, you know, and I, I said this in one of my videos, um, you know, I never wanted to go into a career where, um, it was dictated by somebody else. Yeah. I've always been in my, my careers, my jobs, my life where I've always been dictated by the economy yeah. or, business or things like that i you know being an entrepreneur in this type of this type of environment is basically like we dictate the rules every day yeah so like i can get up every day and we can decide you know we're gonna go and make this amount of money today we're gonna change our life you know and people that feel like they're stuck and i feel bad for people that are stuck in a way because they're not really stuck it's more mentally yeah it's not no one's really stuck they've because, decided they're stuck yeah they, they've decided that they're stuck in certain situations right and or or they feel like they're stuck i don't want to put it all on them because life also dictates that for us sure because life is in, in certain points in our life joe life's made you feel like you're stuck oh yeah and life's made me feel like i'm stuck like i'm against the wall yeah but i think when you when you kind of take a step back and you have an opportunity in front of you or you create an opportunity yeah then you're able to i don't say unstuck unstick yourself, yourself unstuck yourself <laughs> yes so you're able to take yourself from a situation and make yourself empower yourself that's a better yeah. word as soon as you're yeah. ready to take ownership and start believing in yourself for sure yeah and, and i think yeah and that's and that's kind of what and, and then stepping outside of retail i never forget the uh the conversation i had with my girlfriend at the time or yeah. my you know my wife now yeah i said love listen um i'm gonna try this uh life insurance thing mm -hmm. you know i don't know if it's gonna work i'm not sure um, but I know that if you, I know I'm really good with families. Mm -hmm. I know that I understand people. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to, you know, have issues and things like that. And I know that I can be relatable because yeah. I know every, every family, just like I've struggled, they struggle. I know I can relate to people. So I'm going to try this business. And if it doesn't work, then we'll have to figure something else out. So I was on unemployment and I was hustling on the side. I was helping somebody with a business. Yep. I was making money just to get us by and I was, and then I came across, um, the ad and yeah. I was actually on Craigslist. <laughs> I actually remember it like it was yesterday. I came across an ad on Craigslist and believe it or not, I am, I'm a Craigslist hire. We always talk about how crazy that is. Fair warning. My, my <laughs> business was not nearly as developed at, at this point. It is that we were nowhere near where we are now, yes, but yeah. this is what things were like at the point that we found the great Roger Frederick. So... <laughs> What was your, how did you hear about it? Oh my goodness. Well, this is like the fast forward of like my, my, this is our life. This is our, this is our beginning. Yeah. So we, uh, give me goosebumps actually. That's yeah. crazy, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So I'm, I'm thinking back to where I, where I'm at on this side of this. So, so let's so, hear So can, can we, can so. we all just be honest on this? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so I remember it like it was yesterday. So I get this, uh, I go on Craigslist and I'm looking at this message and it says something very very big message i didn't know what it was who it was from mm -hmm. it was on craigslist so then i i decide i'm i look at the numbers and i'm trying to figure out like what it is and i reach out and i get a phone call and the first person i speak to was um i almost want to say it was uh do i name the names of the people I Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so i believe it was melissa hansen mm -hmm. i believe it was melissa hansen i'm not sure she someone called me for an interview 
Okay. Can't tell if it was Melissa Hansen or who it was. But then I go to the office and then the first person I meet for my interview was Adrian Braggis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of my best friends right now, my family. Now. Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, I meet Adrian Braggis and we sit in an interview. I go through this interview and then I remember it and I get put into an interview with Adrian Braggis. And I kept saying to him, I'm a father. I need to know you're a dad. So is this money real? Yeah, like be real. Be real me. with me. Like be honest with me. This is an interview. Mm -hmm. Don't bullshit me. Because <laughs> mind you, we're we're telling people about the money that we are making yes, at this yes. point, but we certainly didn't look like we were making that kind of money. I remember um, it. Yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I could tell you that story too because I was so. So, so. you could pick up on that because <laughs> the office that he walked into and the clothes we were wearing. Yeah, yeah. We certainly didn't look the part. At no, that point, I think. So. Well, I think. Well, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, you've been you've been a mentor, one of my best friends in the business and life and, yeah. and all these things. And I don't think that we even like you can never tell the success. You can't ever tell success by money. Yeah. Like I'm not success by money. The look of success by like the right. way you look. You wear a white T-shirt and that's just what your kind of thing is and what you're known for. But you're extremely wealthy and extremely, you know, influential in the business. So. You know, but when it comes to that, so I meet Adrian and I am asking him all these questions and, <laughs> and he, he literally was answering me, but I couldn't get that feeling like it was like real. I was like, I don't know this little guy. He doesn't seem like he really, I don't really feel it. So I, so yeah. I literally said, you know, I want to meet your, your guy, the guy, yeah. like the head of the whole thing. And it was you. Yeah. And now, mind you, you're the head of the whole thing, and there was only eight of us. Pause for a second. Here, <laughs> so here's my side. I remember I got a call from Adrian, and he basically said, hey, so I interviewed this guy, and I, I did everything I could. I read the script like you taught me to, <laughs> but he just he was a little bit difficult. He had a lot of questions. I couldn't answer them, and he wants to meet with you. And I'm pretty sure it was like a Saturday or something. It was, it was like, I remember it was a nighttime thing. Yeah. And I literally, I was actually excited to meet with you because I felt like I was meeting the head of the whole thing. Uh -huh. Not knowing that at that point, the head of the whole thing was eight people. Yeah. We had like really six to eight people. Yeah. And looking at now, we have over a hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred. We just crossed two hundred. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. That even, even me sitting in this pod, you know, this podcast with you talking about this stuff. Yeah. Like we came from six to eight. We couldn't even fucking afford this room. Yeah. Back when I met. And I remember, I remember. So, so fast forward, we meet. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, I don't want to be, don't bullshit me. This is really, this is real. I want to make sure this is what I want to do. I'm going to study. I want to do something totally different with my life. Yeah. And I want to plug myself into something and get my full potential. You were like intrigued, yeah. but you still needed to be like sold. You needed that confidence. A, a little like, bit. Yeah. I, I needed, I needed to feel like secure because I, I'm, I, I, you got to realize something, a job or employment is like a relationship. So I yeah. just had a breakup. Yeah. I just came from being laid off mm -hmm. and I'm like, I, I just had a really bad relationship with a, a previous, and I don't want to go into another yeah. one where I'm like, oh my God, is this real? Yeah. So fast forward, you went over everything with me and I, and I, I, I signed up. Yeah. I got my, so it took almost three interviews. Closed him. Closed. <laughs> so you, you close Raj. I remember. You know, and I'm the closer. Yeah. And you close me. I closed so, closer. So, and I'm glad you did. And I'll never forget too that you said something into your interview that I hear all the time, yeah. but I never see people back it up. Okay. He, he looked at me at, after we agreed. We said, all right, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's partner up. And he said, I'm going to be the most successful sales rep 
that you ever work with. I'm going to make more money than anybody you've ever worked with before. And I remember thinking like, I've heard that 30 times before and I've always been let down. So I didn't believe it. Yeah. And you backed it up. Well, over the last five, six years, you've absolutely backed that up. Well, I'll tell you, you know what? It's, it's one of those things, you know, when you, so we, so we, we, we signed the deal mm -hmm. and I started studying. It took me about a month to pass my test. I was following up, you know, thank God L Lina was on top of me. We only had Lina, me and you. I remember it. And she was, and, and I was, and she, and I would have to tell you to tell Lina to leave me alone. I remember it. I remember <laughs> it weird. So he's studying for his insurance license. And I had Lena, one of my partners who helps run the administrative side of everything. She would follow up with people. And I remember you texting me outside of the group text saying like, who the hell is this person to tell me I'm not studying? And I was like, well, are you studying? Did you study today? And you were like, yeah, great. Well, you got to study more tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I mean, you know, what's funny. Um, I, I was, I'm not a good reader. Yeah. Tr total transparency to everyone. Yeah. Success is success. I'm not a good reader. Not a I good, have to, like book studying I, I, person. I, yeah. I have to read a lot. Yeah. I have to like read things over. So in college, you know, truth be told, my junior year in college, I actually had a 1.7 GPA. Yeah. In one semester or not. I literally was the worst. I, I, I'd rather play basketball and lift weights and hang out in the gym. Right. Yeah. So I came back and I ended up uh, getting, graduating in my major with over a three point seven, 3.8. Right. Yeah. So I came back because, you know, setbacks are only setups for comebacks. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. So people that are ever failing in life, um, setbacks are only setups for comebacks all the time. Yep. So I, I looked at myself, I looked at where I was in life and I said, enough of that. We got to make it, get it done. Yeah. Same discipline I use for everything I use for that. So for sure. fast forward now, reading's not my strong suit. So I don't, I like my, my, my goals or my targets this year are to read you know, consistently read. It's almost like you mean for personal, personal read, read, books, read yeah. books and things. I like to read and exercise my mind, not yeah. only my body. So reading was hard for me. So every time Linda would follow up with me, I'd be like, this girl has to leave me alone. Yeah. I can't have this girl text me one more time if I read a chapter today because I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind. Right. But I would take, <laughs> I know it's funny, but and then fast forward now, she's, she's like my right hand with certain things. Yeah. You know? So like looking at it, you know, it's an accountability part, but I would literally go to UNLV I'd have to go to UNLV. I would tell my girlfriend at the time, I'd say, you know, I'm going to go to UNLV and I'm going to study today. I'm going to get it done. And I passed the first time. Yep. So I got, I got an 80 out of 80 and yep. passed my license. You, you beat me. <laughs> I, I failed at my first time. <laughs> I, I failed at my first time. And then I passed it my second time by one point. That's why I, well, I got an 80. So I guess I got, I passed, I passed it on yeah. the money. So passed my exam, told my girlfriend that I remember it too, because it was raining out that day yeah. and I was laying on the couch laying back, looking at my phone. And I said, oh my God, I passed. <laughs> so right then and there, I was like, I'm going to get this career going. And I wanted to get my leads going and I wanted to understand the business. Yeah. And I think, I think that what separates me from a lot of the agents, I mean, I'm a manager now as well, but one of the, a lot of the agents I like, I like to, I'm okay with being uncomfortable because I know that I need to, in order, I, I need to study it and become a perfectionist at my craft. Mm -hmm. So I wanted the leads. I wanted the scripts. And back in the day, if we even look at the dynamics from now to then, yeah, 
I wasn't even allowed to have leads until I shot a video. Yeah. Until you were in the field with me. Mm -hmm. Until we memorized a seven to eight page script. Yeah. To learn the business. Because back then we used to actually meet with people in person. Yes. So we'd be driving around, uh, driving around Vegas, meeting with clients at their homes. Yeah, yeah meeting with clients at other places, stuff like that, because we had to meet in person. Yeah. This is before, you know, there was DocuSign and stuff that, that all the technology that allows us to work from home and yeah. work virtual like we do today. Yeah. But yeah, we had to memorize that script because that was like, that was our performance. But that's so. the thing though. But that's the thing. I always mentor agents even till this day. Yeah. Like you need to, we're, we're, we're not acting because yeah. that's not what we're doing. But we're, we're, we're performing a, a, a script where we're, you know, letting clients know what we're able to do for them and things like that. And we're putting it in a way where it's duplicatable so we can train other agents on it. Yeah. So you, but you need to know the script. So sure. memorizing it for me um, in the beginning just put me in a good place because I knew I was going to be number one. Yeah. You know, being number one, being great is inevitable when you feel like you're great. Yeah. You know, and, and it never comes from a place of arrogance. The people that are in my circle, the people that think I'm arrogant or may think I'm arrogant, they don't, they don't really don't know me. Yeah. If they knew me, it's, it's more of like, I know that greatness is destined for people that feel that they're going to be great. Yeah. It may sound like a weird, but I know that you understand me. Definitely. It's, it's, if you feel like, if, if you feel like greatness is in your, in your uh, destiny, than it is. Yeah. You manifest everything. Everything in life is manifested from, from an early age. Yeah. Well, I've noticed for you on the flip too, whenever you're not, whenever you don't feel like you're prepared in something, whether it be certain part of the sales process or a certain part of leading your team or something, you have this urgency about getting good at it. Yeah, like yeah. you'll, like you'll, you'll talk to me and be like, I, I don't think I know this process very well. And then you do the same thing you did with the dinosaurs and you like study, study, study well, until thing. you yeah. master it. Well, that's know? the thing. That's the thing. Like, I feel yeah. like, I feel like even when I have my team, I learned from my team. Yeah. My team that works with me till, till this day, yeah, every right. single one of my team, they always, I take a piece of each one of them because the, the what makes you a great leader is always staying a student. Yeah. You know, I, I consistently stay a student every day. You know, I learned from my daughter. I learned from my wife. I learned from my wife's kids. I learned from you. I learned from sure. everyone around me um, because at the end of the day, you know, if you can't take pieces from what other people are going to teach you, you're never going to grow. You're always going to be stagnant. Yeah. So when I sit and I talk to, you know, my team or I talk to families I sit with, you know, I'm never perfect. I think the biggest thing is that I'm the most perfectly imperfect person that you're going to meet. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's so many things that I would fix about myself. You know, I'm constantly, I think that you can say I'm on the phone with you probably five, six times a day. I'm constantly giving myself rough feedback where you're like, Roger, give yourself a break. Yep. And I'm like, so when I'm not good at something, I think the biggest thing that made me good in this industry is the constant, you know, obsession, obsession with becoming with great, becoming great. Yeah. because I think, I think that certain obsessions aren't good to have. Yeah. They could be unhealthy. I think personally, in my opinion, the obsession to be great is a healthy obsession. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's going to strive you to go against the grain. Yep. It's going to strive you to fight against your demons that you may be fighting against. Yeah. Uh, whether it be addictions, whether it be uh, personal problems, mental problems, emotional problems, it's going to push you, yeah. whether it be physical problems. To become the best yep. version of yourself. 100%. For sure. Yep. Well, that's what uh, you're constantly working on, becoming the best version of yourself yep. mentally, in business your body, everything. I can, I can definitely say that about you. Yep. So 
So you passed the test. Yep. Um, you went in the field. You trained with with me a bit. You trained with Adrian mostly. Yep. You did quite a bit of work on your own also in the back end. So what was what were the first couple of months like? Well, the first month in the business, I wrote about twenty six thousand ALP. Yeah. The first month in the business, I made thirteen thousand dollars. Crazy. So, so like, so I was very. And, and and a lot of people that are going to see this podcast for the first time, I really never spoke about, this is the first time that we're actually talking about money, yeah. which is fine. I'm, o- I'm okay with it now. It's been almost five years. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, uh, this, this, this July will be my fifth anniversary with the company. I've been here five years. Yep. So my first, you know, month with the company um, was pretty awesome. You know, I re- it was the first month I've ever relied on myself and I came from literally selling my jewelry at that time to kind of make up for the fact that I didn't have any so income. You came, in, you came in hungry. I came in hungry where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be in a situation. You know, I, luckily enough, I had a very supportive, you know, spouse or partner with me. Yeah. You know, my, my girlfriend at the time actually said, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll get a second job until you figure things out. Like awesome. the support was awesome, you know, to start this business. Well, but everybody for the most part starts, you know, in a, I don't want to say a losing streak, but there's a reason why people are here and myself included. If, if what we were doing before was, was fulfilling us financially, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need AL and what we need, but we come here because we do have that urgency of like, we got to start making some money, better money than we were making before. It's always for a good reason, like providing for your family like that. But you made 13K in your first month. That's pretty impressive. You know, I think, I think, you know, when it comes to when it comes to the money, I think for me, and money doesn't motivate a lot of people, but for me, the what motivates me about money is what it can do for me. And there's there's always that adage that I've heard, you know, money doesn't make money doesn't change people. Yeah. You you ever hear that? Yeah. So money never changes anyone. So I feel like becoming rich, money amplifies if you're a good person. Mm-hmm. It'll make you a better person. And if you're not a good person, money's just going to make you a worse person. Yeah. That's how I feel. That's my opinion. Now, other people may disagree with me, um, but that's just been my opinion. And I've heard it said by multiple people and I agree with it. Um, I feel like I have the ability in this lifetime before God closes my eyes to make a huge difference. Yeah. That's how I feel. And I feel like I want to leave a legacy for a pe- behind me because death, you know, I don't know how you feel about death. Death scares me. Yeah. It's a very scary thing for me. So um, it, it's an anxiety that I've had my whole life. Um, I was scared of death when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And it just goes to now. So it's funny that I'm in the life insurance industry because that is a huge anxiety for me. And, you know, the only way that I can feel good every day is knowing that when I, when I'm, when I reach my final resting place, that I leave something that's going to live forever behind me. Yeah. And I know that's a powerful thing to think about. Definitely. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing, you know? Well, and I mean, for both of us, it's a huge, both obviously we're in life insurance. And so I know we're, I know you love your wife and your family very, very much. I love my wife, Nina, very much too. And we both are, I know for a fact, we're both, firm in practicing what we preach in terms of life insurance. Like I dropped dead here on this table. Nina's, Nina's going to be set for, for life. I know Gloria is in the same position with all the things you have set up. So how does that help you to sell our, our product passionately to your clients? Well, I mean, I, I always, I think when I sit with a family, I put myself in, you know, I think when I started the business, Joe, I think it's transitioned, um, a lot. 
Yeah. Like I think, you know, from reading the scripts to learning the scripts, I think that anybody that's watching this can, 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 you know, understand that it's always from reading to learning, to knowing, to perfecting, to now putting yeah. yourself in a situation where you're an advisor to where you're, you know, you, then you become the professional. You know, I, I've not only um, sold life insurance to families, but I've actually went to the funerals. I've serviced claims. Yeah. I do, I, the things that I do that don't make me money, I always call it paying forward. Yeah. I, I don't, this business has evolved into something where it's, it's I, I don't do things that just make me money. Yeah. The money inevitably comes. So I think I, I do practice what I preach. Yeah. Every everything that everything that we sell. When I sit with a family, they see my passion. They see that I'm only in it to help them. I've been there with you on those calls too. It's one thing to sit there and sell policies and make money, but I've been there with you on those calls where we had to fight passionately to make sure that that family got their claim paid. Yeah. And yeah. we had to make sure that they got it paid quickly and make sure we were sitting there on the phone with the doctor's office, yes. making sure they sent what they needed to send and all that. So I remember that. And that says a lot about you that you fight to make sure your clients are getting the service that they paid for it too. Well, that's, so. well, that's the thing. I mean, we, 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 it just doesn't end when you close the policy. Right. I mean, obviously I think, and this is the thing with life insurance, and this is something that I want, I always want to touch on. I think life insurance is going to, you know, the la the people that don't have life insurance, I think that the lack of life insurance is not the fact that they don't feel like they want to be responsible. I feel like it's the lack of education in the industry. Yeah. I feel like people that don't have the, the, the knowledge that we have or what we see, they feel like that, that they don't need it. It's not that they don't need it is that they don't know they don't enough. Of, they don't understand it. So yeah. I feel like with me, when I, when I sit with someone and go over life benefits with them, I feel like the education piece is big. Yeah. So the scripts are one thing, and I feel like the education piece is super important Definitely. to educate a family. And I feel like when I sit with a family, I think that's why my families continuously come back to me and they continuously um, want to deal with me. Yeah. Because because education is huge. For sure. Yeah. Well, you've been here now coming up on six years. Five years. Coming up on five, five years. Five years in July. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So coming up on five years, you've accomplished some incredible things. I've seen you break weekly records in sales, monthly records in sales, some records with your team. You've had multiple months where you've made, I, I don't know if you are okay with I'm okay, I'm okay. So you have multiple months where you've made over 100K. You've done incredible. Um, I remember biggest accomplishment, I think probably is the year you did over 500K that year. That was, that was number one that year. Yeah. yeah, so number one in the company, incredible, but what are some of the things that you enjoy most about working at AO? I think the biggest thing with AO is the culture. Yeah. Um, I feel like the mentorship, the culture, I feel like we're taking an industry where I think I think life insurance, and I can speak freely about this, I think life insurance has is a, is a, is a misconception, there's a misconception with life insurance. Yeah. And I feel like we we kind of take that, we take that misconception and we turn it into a positive, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're meeting families the, that, that need our services. Um, we have some really, really good mentors in the business that, that help us. We have support from home office. We have, you know, and, th and that's what I feel like AO offers and what's offered me. Yeah. Um, I came from a retail background Yeah. and I basically learned a lot of things along the way. And I feel like with the right mentorship, things like that, I think it's brought into this, you know, business. I mean, I literally just have my, 
my LLC taken care of. I got my business done. I'm going to be spinning off into my next company soon, yep. which I'm excited about, which I'm not going to talk about here. Mm -hmm. It'll talk about soon. But next company next, has a side Next project. company is a you're side not, project. You're not leaving. Oh, no, no, no. I'm here. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I'm actually going to be branding myself to do stuff within the life insurance industry and in our sure. company. Like we need... We we need more education about yeah, what we do, definitely. and I think I think that my next my next project my next venture is going to be more informative. It's going to be fun. It's going to bring on more people to this opportunity because I feel like we, um, like I said, I feel like the lack of education. I mean, I I think I feel like within the business, the reason why a lot of people do not attempt the things that me and you have done is because of lack of confidence within themselves. Yeah. Um, in certain areas. Now I'm not saying life insurance because there's so many different areas of like entrepreneurship. There's yeah. solar panels, there's real estate, there's insurance, there's mortgages, yeah. things of that nature. I, I I just feel like if people had just give this give this an opportunity, just mm -hmm. try it and see, I feel like those other jobs are always going to be there yeah. at some point or another in a different shape or form. Sure. Um, like if this didn't work out for me, I can always just you know, go back and apply for a retail position. I, I thought the same yeah. exact thing. I remember because I remember my interview back 10 years ago. I came to the same conclusion. I was like, well, it all sounds great. And if what they're telling me is true, then this is a great thing for me. But at the end of the day, I didn't I didn't know. Just like you didn't know, me and Adrian both could have been full of crap yeah, about yeah. everything we said. But, you know, I was always like, well, I mean, worst thing that could happen is I waste a month or two of my time and effort studying for this test and training. And if it's not what they say it is, I can go right back to cooking. I can go right back to another job. You know? But that's the thing. You know what's funny about that is even in our best days, me and you have thought we're not going to do this. Yeah. We, we the, you know, we're, we're always talking. I mean, we talk about the great, the better, what it is. We have our days where we, you know, me for and sure. you more so and not. We, we've talked about you know, as far as like, you know, I'm not having a great day today. What do you think? But at the end of the day, I think those are just tests. They're yeah. all tests of when you continuously do the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same result. Yeah. So when things get tough, when you go back to what's comfortable for you, you're going to consistently get the same results you've got the last 15 years. So when things are uncomfortable for me and maybe money's not where it needs to be, which it's been that way. I mean, I've made I've made decent money in this business, great money sure. in this business. Um, but what, but you know, am I a multimillionaire yet? No, not really. Yeah. Um, but I can, I can honestly say that it's built a life for me, my family and things of that nature where we're all in a really good place and we're happy. Um, is it easy? Not at all. Yeah. But you know, nothing in life that's easy is worth having anyway. Yeah. That's the facts. If it's easy, if, if, if nine times out of 10, if something's easy, it's, it's, most people can attain it and it's not worth really having. Right. So for me, if it gets hard for me, I want to dissect it and find out why is it hard. Yeah. If 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 a Joe Tomanovich can can be a chef and come into this business and be a millionaire or a multimillionaire, make multi-millions in the business, but then I can do it too. Yeah. No knock on a Joe Tomanovich. No. I, but if it's but if it's but if someone like that can do it, then then how what is he doing? And and I yeah. think people, I think that's the mindset. I think this business has a, has a level of humility. We have to be a little bit humble yeah. because I look at people like, like, for example, if me and you were in the gym together, which you started going, you look great. Thank you. Um, if you're in the gym with me and we see someone that looks better than us, mm -hmm. the, the humble thing to do 
would be to ask them what they're doing. Yeah. What's their diet like? What are their exercises? Exactly. Yeah. What, what are they doing? Yeah. Not many people are built that way. Right. I'm built that way. Yeah. So I'm built to ask the person ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing different? If you're driving a Ferrari, a Bugatti, a Lamborghini, if you're in a certain house, I pass by your house and it's beautiful or, you know, you're, you're enjoying light time with your kid on the weekend, things like that. I would, I would go up to someone and be like, what do you do for work? Yeah. Like, what do you do? I'd want to know because habits, those habits, you know, you never know. They, yeah. they, they, you can ask the right question to the right person and you can get some insight to something that's going to help you in your life. And I think in this business that's learned, it, it's humbled me a lot because I rely on myself yeah. a lot more so than I've done it before. For I rely sure. on myself a lot. For sure. Well, you've accomplished so much so far in your first five years. Uh, what do the next couple of years look like for you? What are you working on now with AO? Um, well, right now, um, I'm a general agent. So general agent, meaning I have six to seven agents right now working with me. I'm working with a great vendor. Um, so I'm actually heavily recruiting, getting my team built up. I'll be taking my master general agent contract um, soon. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm excited about that. Bills so are, you're actively hiring right now? I'm right? actively hiring right now. Okay. So I'm taking agents. I'm taking uh, applicants that are looking to get into the business and be mentored by me and things of that nature. Well, if anybody is like listening, what's what's kind of your ideal person that you like to work with? I like to work with someone that um, is self-reliant, that is easily coachable. Um, I like someone that, that looks to... Um, not only better themselves, but see it, see a vision for people around them. Yeah. You know, cause this business is obviously bigger than us at certain points. You know, we, me, me and you have talked about this. We, we make enough money in this business when we're dialed in and working where we can help so many people around us. For sure. And I think that that's, and I think that we have, I think that at the drop of a dime, if, if I ever needed you or you needed me, we're there in a second financially to help people. And I think sure. that's an important thing. So I want people around to be, you know, very selfless, um, coachable, and um, just open-minded to understanding that it's, that you can be great. Yeah. I think that sometimes in life, people put that ceiling on themselves because we're taught that, you know, you're as great as someone tells you you can be. And I, and I want people to kind of think outside the box a little bit and be very coachable um, and also, you know, responsible. Yeah. You know, this is a very responsible schedule. A lot of times people say to you, I'm sure they've said it to you. It must be nice. You hear that? You must must be nice. You hear that I old do. ad that old adage. Yeah. You know, well, that must be nice, Joe. You know, you're in the Philippines and you made this amount of money. <laughs> that must be nice. You're in Thailand, Joe. You made this amount of money. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I think I think that people need to have that mindset, that that entrepreneur mindset, because being an entrepreneur and having your own schedule and being responsible for just you, um, is a little bit, there's more responsibility than having to work for someone else. Yeah. It's not, must be nice. You know, when I, when I make, you know, on my biggest weeks in the business, I've made 29, $30,000 yeah. in a week. And, you know, when people see that level of income, which I don't really talk about too much only because I don't like that stigma of like money, 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 money. Yeah. But real, realistically, like people will say, you know, must be nice. Yeah. But You've been with me those weeks. I know. 10, 10 days straight. I see, I see you work for it. 10 days straight, 10, 11 days, you know, working yeah. straight for the week and thing. Well, the people watching us saying must be nice at this point, you should just know we're, we're here. We're ready to teach you. Yeah. And we can teach you how to do that yeah, too. If, sure. you, if you simply 
just are ready to put in the work and ready to learn. So, yeah. I mean, that's all it is. For sure. It is nice, actually. <laughs> and it, it can be really nice for you, too. So I say that with total, with all due respect and humility. It is really nice. And we're ready to teach you how, how to make it nice, too. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to coach. Yeah. Uh, definitely taking on applicants. So, like I said, I'm taking my contract. I'll be taking my MGA contract relatively soon, yeah. which a lot of my people in the business have said to me, you know, it's been a long time coming, Raj. I mean, I'm in the business now, uh, approaching two million dollars. Well, written you, in the business. As far as your team, though, you you took uh, the first like two and a half years to really, really, really heavily focus on breaking personal production records. So you haven't been building a team for five years. You, no, no, that's, that's been more a focus the last year. Or so I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, I have, you know, one of my agents has been with me, uh, Kristen. She's yeah. been with me. Um, and she's pretty much, I, I basically put my team around Kristen. She's been with me for uh, the last almost two years. Yeah. You know, between ups and downs and everything. I mean, she's been one of my most solid agents, very, the for most sure. coachable agent I have. Um, and now I have other agents that are just as coachable. And my, I feel like the dynamic of my team right now is is going in a great place. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited about them. Just came off a really good month. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, where we're going to be building. And I think the biggest thing on a team is culture. Yeah. The biggest thing on a team is mindset and culture. And then once you have um, that, then you're unstoppable. For sure. That's how I feel. Well, dude, it's been it's been incredible getting to know more about your story. And I mean, having you as a partner and a brother the last five years has been incredible. I'm excited for the next five, 10, the rest of business that we're going to keep building together. So for those other people out there, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, well, they can hit me up on Instagram. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm trying to figure out my handle on Instagram. I'm still kind of figuring <laughs> out. Can you, can you pull up my handle? I got you. Can you I pull got up you. my handle on Instagram? I got you. I, I, I literally, that, that's how technologically non-savvy <laughs> I am. I don't, I'm, I'm only on it. So if you reach out to Roger on Instagram, he will get back to you. <laughs> I will get back to he you. He will I see it. I promise. <laughs> and Roger's handle on Instagram is at rogerf.ao. Okay. Awesome. At rogerf.ao. <laughs> That's not something. Sure. Well, good. There you go. Then people know that I'm not as tech savvy. So yeah, so they can reach out to me on Instagram, DM me, let me know. Uh, and I'll definitely hold interviews and see what we can do. Awesome.